Hello, how are we doing? Oh! I love it when a plan comes together. But hey, you guys were having such a nice time talking that I wasn't sure how else to interrupt. I said it quietly, the sound wasn't theirs. Good morning. So it's great to be here. Welcome to International Harvest Church. For people I haven't met, my name's Ben. I'm part of the leadership team here um, this morning. So I'm very excited for a couple of reasons this morning. Um, some of you will know we've sort of referred to the fact that Pastor Clive and Sally, our senior pastors, have been away in various cities in um, Colombia, South America, for the past five weeks. And they are coming back. Hallelujah. So they're going to be back with us soon. I know. Yeah. Oh, it's good, isn't it? It's great. We're really excited to have them back. Um, so I think probably Pastor Clive will speak next week. You never know. And we'll see how the Holy Spirit's plans shape up. Um, but they send their greetings. They've been working hard. This weekend, it was the, um, the wedding that they were over in um, Bogota to help with of a, a couple from our church that we um, sent out who were getting married there. So they send their greetings to us this morning. I'm happy they're coming back soon. But for this morning, you're stuck with me. Pastor Clive's asked me to speak on the... Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I can't see who it was, but I'll find out later. Um, so this morning, I'm speaking on our last... Uh, topic, Keep the Change, the final one in this series, Keep the Change. So we, we like to just make sure people haven't forgotten, so grab your neighbor, shake them by the shoulder or by the head, anywhere else that you think would be helpful to make sure they're with us this morning and say, hey, you keep the change. Did you keep any change? Did you make any change? Did you want to change? And if there was a, a title for this particular message, it would be Everyone's a Winner which Steve will probably remember was a game show from the 70s and the 80s, I believe. But um, there you go. So I wonder, as you were kind of getting ready this morning, I wonder what church, what sort of church, what kind of church you thought you were coming to this morning? I wonder what, what sort of church did you come to this morning? God's church, yeah? Well, I, I just want to share a few reflections about what sort of church I came to this morning. I'm really glad I came to a supernatural church. Does anyone else feel that we're in a supernatural church? I feel like we're in a, yeah, I feel like we're in a supernatural church. We're in a church where we regularly see the power of God move. God answer prayers and do great things amongst his people. I want to share a couple of recent experiences we've had in our city group. Just, I think this is even over the past three weeks, okay? So let me share some experiences we had. One of the girls in our city group, her dad was having a hip replacement operation. And so we were praying about that. We were praying about the care that would kind of wrap around that. And um, there, there was a concern, I suppose. She was worried that it, it would be very complicated for her to look after him for various reasons. And then unexpectedly, a family member stepped in and said, okay, I'd really want to help with that. So somebody else, so there was kind of God's provision. We prayed about God's provision for care and somebody stepped in. Then we've been praying about his recovery. And, you know, that's a major operation. And last week on, on Tuesday night, she was sharing testimony that um, the, the nurse who was checking him out after two weeks after the operation said that in, in all her experience as a nurse, she's never seen somebody progress so fast in their recovery over this period. And it's not like she became a nurse yesterday. I can't remember, you know, was, she's not like, oh, I've been a nurse for six months, but this is the best. And, you know, it was like a 10 or 20 year career or something. You know, she's like a, a long stand. She knows her stuff. And she was saying, wow, this guy's recovered so fast. I've never seen anybody recover from this major operation so quickly. So we were rejoicing on Tuesday night because we prayed about the speed of that recovery. Something else we were praying for a few weeks back, and one of the ladies in our city group had a pain in her wrist. It felt like a, 
uh, we were sort of talking about it, it sounded like almost like a trapped nerve, like almost pins and needles kind of shooting pain or something. And we prayed about it on the Tuesday night, and about half past eight on the Wednesday evening, we had a WhatsApp message around saying, oh, my arm is just so much better. Thank you for praying. We really saw God's help in that situation. Another one of the um, team in our city group has, uh, is working in a job where she's not on a permanent contract. She's on like a temporary contract for a period. And obviously, if, you're, if you've ever been in that situation when you're on a temporary contract, what you want is to be made permanent in the position where you're in and working hard and feeling like, you know, you're probably giving your best to the company. Some of you may have been in that situation. So she's on a temporary contract. So we've been praying, God, will you bring the permanent contract um, for this position? And it was sort of in the atmosphere and it was possibility, but we really wanted to pray that it would happen and happen well. And so about two weeks ago, we got a, t- everything happens on WhatsApp now. Um, I, you know, I kind of had to check my feed. So um, we got a text round saying that the job advert was out and uh, had a really short window of opportunity for anybody else to apply. She had to reapply for her own job, okay? I'm sure you've seen, you've probably been through that sort of thing. So she's had to reapply for her own job. The job advert's out, but her boss told her that the job description was written so that of all the people in all the world, the only person who could fit the bill for that job description was the person already doing it, who we've been praying for. So we read that, and we're like, God's good, okay? And that process is still going on, but God's been really faithful with answering prayers in our city group, and he is a supernatural God. And so I don't know what kind of church you came to this morning, but I came to a supernatural church. I'll tell you something else, I came to a generous church. Did anyone else come to a generous church this morning? I came to a generous church this morning. Yesterday, man alive, we had some generous people in this building. We had some grafters in this building. Caroline was saying, yeah, you could open any one of the cupboards in this church. I I don't know what will be in there. It terrifies the life out of me, but some of them are clean. Hallelujah. Most of them are clean. The toddler's toys are clean. We've done the foyer all nice with new furniture. People were here from 10 o'clock till 4 o'clock. A host of volunteers helping out in various different ways. And, you know, if you think about the hours that people contributed, if we had to pay a minimum wage for the hourly rate that we had of labor working voluntarily yesterday in this building, it would break our treasurer's heart. Thank you guys so much for being a generous, this is a generous church. People gave their time super generously, super generously. I was talking with my mum about a church meeting she was in not so long ago where they took up a special offering for the event that it was. And it's a church probably the same sort of size in in congregation and the number of people who would be there at that type of meeting, roughly the same sort of size as ours. And mum was telling me about it and she said, oh, they raised this special offering for 900 pounds. And I think she was slightly disappointed with my face. And I can't help that because my face is my face. And I'm kind of stuck with it. And I want to show you guys what my rejoicing face looks like, okay? And I think my mom was a bit disappointed that I wasn't like, oh, that's such a great offering, you know, that's great. And it's not that I'm down on this church. Like, they're, they're a lovely bunch of people, and I'm glad that they're learning to give. That is a great thing to give. And what they raised is good, and it's a blessing to give in that way. But to set the context, the area my mum was talking about, the location where this church is and where the people come from, I looked it up. It's a super prosperous area. The average flat in that area is worth £540,000. The average detached house is worth £1.7 And they raised an offering of £900. And so if they had given in proportion to their prosperity, their offering would have been profound. But they gave it a different level. And so on the one hand, I'm rejoicing because I'm saying, hey, that's great that they made an offering. On the other hand, I'm saying, gosh, you're so amazing. 
I go to such an awesome church. We don't give in proportion to our prosperity. We don't give in proportion to our PAYE income. We give above and beyond that. And time again, it's been my privilege as one of the trustees of this church to see the way that people have responded and given above and beyond what they're actually kind of able to do in the natural sense of things. It's just phenomenal. We go to a very, very generous church. So have a look around. We're just going to try and fix my microphone, but have a, have a look around. And look at some generous people next to you. Look at them. No, 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 but really look at them. <laughs> see, see with eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Okay. Are they looking generous? These are some generous generous people that you're sitting next to. So I don't know what kind of church you were expecting to come to this morning, but I came to a generous church. I came to a grateful church. I came to a super grateful church. I'm so, personally, I'm so grateful to be part of this church. I'm looking around at you smiling faces, but I'm grateful to God for the church that we're in. It was hilarious in the worship this morning. Andy, our worship leader, had us, um, I'm so white. I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. I've got no African blood, I've got no Latino blood, I've got no soul, I've got no, I can't help it, I'm sorry. And so when Andy says, everybody clap, it literally takes 100% of my concentration to clap. And I, I get it right 60, 70% of the time. Okay, so if, if any, I see you laughing at the back. If anybody is doing that in the front of worship and they're like, oh, you know, we're going to clap, please, please, for your own sake and protection and well-being in worship, don't look at me. It'll just make you feel awkward on the inside. And so he was like, okay, everybody clap. And I'm like, yeah, I'm clapping because I'm grateful for God. I I don't know what the rhythm is, but I'm clapping because I'm grateful to God. And then he says, and everybody, we're going to stomp. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me now. Because I, I, so I tried, okay. And I, I, I was trying, I was honestly, I was trying, but I just, I wasn't there. But man, it is good to be in a grateful church, a church that's grateful to God or worshipful towards God or praising of God for who he is, for his goodness, for making us, for making this world for us to enjoy, for bringing us together. We wake up every day. One of the guys in our city group, we were talking about gratitude on Tuesday night. He said, one of the people he works with sometimes says, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I woke up this morning. And at first he used to believe that that was a negative comment. And then he realized, actually, no, this guy was really genuinely, deeply grateful that he was still alive this morning. He was not even taking his life, the fact that he woke up that morning, he wasn't taking uh, that for granted. What a great attitude. Gratefulness is such a wonderful attitude to protect our hearts. We've been talking at work in my office this week a lot about mental health and about the mental health challenges. I think it's really, um, I'm privileged to work where I do, and I'm glad that the management there recognized mental health is one of the biggest issues facing our Um, nation and generation today and strong mental health is such an important feature in our lives and one of the things that we were talking about is gratitude as such a huge and important part of producing strong and positive mental health being grateful for what we do have I was able to on Wednesday this week I visited a prison in Middlesbrough with work and we were talking about that topic of conversation with some of the um, inmates or residents they sometimes call them there about how do you stay positive in that sort of situation. We're going to pause because this is obviously distressing our sound team, so bear bear with. Are we grateful for Adam? Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful for Adam. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Where was I? Yeah, I went to this prison just outside Middlesbrough, and we were talking with some of the residents there or inmates about how do you stay strong, mentally strong, 
in, the, in a very difficult situation. And some people have been there for a number of years and some people are only there for short sentences or, and so on. So we were talking with these guys and it was a real privilege to hear some of their stories about how they stay positive in that situation. And one of them was sharing, he's got a, a gratitude list, 10 things that he's grateful for every day. He's not a believer, but he just wants to recognize that he, even in that situation, there's things in his life that he can be grateful for, that he can say thank you that he's got these things in his life. And for me, that was really humbling to hear him talk about that. But it reflects for us, I think, it just reflects, hey, we want to be that kind of people as well. I believe we are that kind of people, but actually we want to be more of that kind of people. We want to be grateful. So what kind of church did you come to this morning? I came to a growing church this morning as well. I'm delighted. I love our church. I love our heart to grow. I love that last year we invested in life class so that people who've never heard the gospel can come into our building, share food with us, and hear something of the goodness of God, what it means to be a Christian, what Jesus did for them at the cross, and really sit down and take the time to talk about that. I'm grateful that this year we've been opening the foyer. You know, we've invested not just in the furniture out there, but that's so that we can make it a place to welcome people, to have guests in, to tell people, you know, we're here to help you, to serve you, to be part of our community, to be good news. We want to grow. We, want, we don't just want to be the same. We don't want to have a, a good message and keep it inside the four walls of this building. We want to spread that abroad outside the walls of our building and help other people in their lives. That's the kind of church that we're about. And I'm so I'm grateful that we've got that kind of heart, that kind of attitude to grow. So how many people came to a supernatural, generous, grateful, growing church this morning? Was it just me? Oh, I'm glad you're with me. Okay, so this morning we're going to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read some stuff from there. And you'll find out we've been there all along. Just going to grab my water. Acts chapter 2. So the first thing that we see is chapter 2, verse 43. Let's see this. Everyone was filled with awe. The many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Generous church. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had, or to anyone who had need. Grateful. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, growing. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a church. What a place to be part of. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in that precious time in history, that's how your church was. We thank you. Your heart is for your church to carry and display all of those characteristics and be like that and live like that and impact the city around it like that. We thank you that we're carrying so much of that already. And our heart this morning is we want more. We're just longing for more. We want more of all of those things that the people in Acts had in their time. And so, Lord, I pray by your Spirit, you'll do such a great work in our lives that we'll keep the change. We'll keep the change from this season, and we'll see more and more and more of this fruit like that church had in that time. Amen. Amen. So here it is, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then the bits we've already read. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property. They sold possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, 
enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, this passage, I just, I love this passage. This was so much for me a a life-changing passage of what I wanted church to be like, what kind of church I wanted to be at, and what kind of person I wanted to be in that church. This is such a precious set of verses to my life. And the atmosphere in these verses is phenomenal. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where it's been a sort of a dry summer or something, and it's been dry for a period, and then rain falls. And you know when you step outside after the rain has stopped, and there's that smell in the air. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a smell of like fresh growth or fresh opportunity or something's just about to happen in the air. There's something different in the atmosphere than there was there before. That's how I read this passage. It's got that excitement about it. I remember there's another sort of smell or idea it, it, it brings to mind for me. As some years ago, before we had children, Karis and I went on a, a package tour to Turkey for holiday. And it was an overnight flight, very cramped for someone who's six foot three. And, uh, and, and we got off the plane in the morning. And I don't know if you've had this experience where you step off a plane and the plane is you know, cramped and air-conditioned and sterile and dry and not very interesting. And then you step off into the tarmac in a hot land. And it's hot at like six o'clock in the morning. And you can smell the tang of jet fuel in the area where you are. And in my head, there's nothing like it. It's got the smell of adventure, of excitement, of exploration, of something's about to happen. That's what I smell when I read these verses. So grab your Bible, okay, or your device or whatever it is and smell it, okay? Now, some of you are going to tell me that it smells like your pocket, which is fine. I'm not here to judge. Some of you, it might smell, you know, like delicious leather if you've got a really posh one, or it might smell like, I don't know what it smells like. But that's the smell that's in the atmosphere in these verses. It's such an incredible time in the life of the church. Something, something profound, something awesome, something amazing is about to happen. What kind of church did you come to this morning? Let me put it another way. What kind of church did you bring with you this morning? Because it's not just about what kind of church you came to this morning. It's about what kind of church you brought with you this morning. I'm talking about on the inside. I'm talking about what's going on in here and going on in here. You know, we've got a sign on the wall out there. Um, Actually, it's fallen down in Storm Doris. Ah, Storm Doris. And we'll fix it. It'll be fine. Um, But uh, you might have seen it, and it says, this is a church. Now, we didn't put that sign there for you people. We put it there for the people who live in our area and in our community who think this is a warehouse. You know, they, they, they think that inside we've got pallets and forklift trucks and, cup and boxes. You know, that's what people think. So we put it there because they understand this is a church. But this is not a church. This building is not a church. These lights are not a church. This platform is not a church. Those chairs are not a church. Those bricks are not a church. This is a church. The people I'm looking at are a church. This is the church. You guys are the church. Now, if I could, I would get John Simmons, my man John Simmons, I would get him to drill a a, a hole here and we'd hang a sign on each of your foreheads saying this is it. It would be illegal. I know that. It would be painful. I know that. He would have to go to prison for a very long time. I know that. But if if I could, if I could. We'd hang that sign, or maybe with like a laser etch or something. Okay, we'll work, we'll, we'll work on the details. But we would have something on each one of us that said, this is a church. The people of the church. We're the church. So look around. 
Because you're looking at them. You're looking at them. This is the church. We're the church. And so if we want to live like those people in the book of Acts were living, what's that going to look like? What's it going to take from us? Because there's a, a verse in this passage that everything hangs on. It's the hook it hangs on. It's the hinge it turns on. There's a word in this passage, and I, I know it's unfair. Pastor Clive always does this, and he picks out one word, and you think probably it's largely at random. And he asks you know, people to guess what it might be, and they come up with perfectly sensible suggestions, and he says no. So it's cheating. I know it's cheating, but there is one word in here that I just think the whole thing hangs on. So come on, tell me, what do you think it is? Devoted, somebody? Uh, do you just look, uh, believers, good guess, interesting, could be, maybe for another message. The number eight, yeah, that's right, yes, eating together, that's it, the whole church hangs on food. No, it's the first verse, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, oh, sorry, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer, they. You know what I don't, let me do it another way, okay, what I don't read there. What I don't read there is most of them devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching and so on. Some of them devoted themselves. A few of them. Devo- Who wants to go to a church where a few people are devoted? It's quiet in here. I don't want to go to a church where there's just a few people who are devoted to what's going on in that place. I want to go to a church where they where the whole body of believers is devoted to what's going on in this place. That's how I want to be. And if I can't go to that kind of church, I'm going to be that kind of church because it's in me. Praise God, let it stay in me for a good long time. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose that. They, they, every person. Church is a team sport. It's a team event. It's a team activity. It's not going to watch the football Steve Foreman once said that going to watch the football is 50,000 people in need of some exercise, shouting at 22 men in need of a rest. It's just wrong. That's not what the church meeting should be. The church meeting is everybody comes together. It's not what kind of a church you came to. It's what kind of a church you brought in you. It's what kind of a meeting you brought with you. So let's unpack this four things in here, okay? Let me put it like this. They get this result. The result is a great result. The result is it's supernatural. It's generous. It's grateful. It's growth. What a, that's a great result. But they go through a process. Let me put it like this, okay? So if you want to drink Coca-Cola, you need a secret recipe. You need a process. If you want to eat KFC, Repent. No. If you want to eat KFC, you need a secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices. You need, if you want to get a result, you need to know the process. I really don't want to fall over here. That would be so embarrassing. So I'm going to stop now. But if you want the result, you need the process. And if I put up here, if I put up here, okay, the the recipe for Coca-Cola. You know, I read a story one time that a guy... Uh, who worked in the laboratories, he was a consultant, and he worked in the laboratories at Coca-Cola. He figured out what the recipe was or came across it, through, got into their files, and he contacted Pepsi to say, I'm going to sell you the recipe for Coca-Cola. And Pepsi called the serious fraud office in the States, and they're like, hey, we're going to like string this guy along, and then you can arrest him. 
And, uh, and they did. So basically, he was trying to sell out Coca-Cola secrets. And, uh, and he got so far with Pepsi. And then, you know, I don't know how it was. The feds swooped on the building or something. And uh, Pepsi made this big deal about it. They're like, we don't want Coca-Cola secret recipe because ours is better. <laughs> but if you want to go to the result, you've got to go through the process. If I put the recipe up here for KFC, how many of you would be like, oh, just write that down. I'm going to make me something. You'd write it down. If I put up here, if you want to win the lottery, you've got to go through the process. You've got to be in it to win it. You've got to pay to play. So if I put up here the winning lottery numbers for next week, you'd write them down. Now I've got your attention. You want to know? Shame on you. (laughs) If you want to get the result, what have you got to go through? The process. So let's look. What is that process? The the, apost- the disciples in the book of Acts, they went through a process. It says they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching. There we go. Okay, the apostles' teaching. Now, remember, the apostles' teaching, we probably could take it for granted. But the way it was at the time, it was radical. The Bible says that Jesus spoke like no one else had ever spoke before in that religious tradition. The rabbis were astounded that he spoke with power, with authority with strength, with conviction. He spoke in a practical way to real people. He talked to, fish, uh, to fishermen about fish. He talked to, he talked to fish. Man, Clive's going to be upset when he comes back. I'm preaching heresy. No, so he talked to fishermen, and he talked to them about fish. He talked to farmers about farming. He talked to builders about building. He talked to everyday folk about the stuff that was real in their lives. And then he said, and here's how it is in God's kingdom. He explained it practically in a way that people could get hold of. And so the disciples carried that with them. And when they taught in in the temple and in homes, they carried the same ability to talk practically and in a way that produces results. And I wanted to bring something with me to show what this is. It's a spirit level, because this is what the apostles' teaching is like. Yeah, Paul knows this spirit level. It's been in my garage for too long, my friend. This is the lesson. If you leave things in my house, it will come into a sermon, okay? But I'm grateful that I've used it a few times, so that's been a blessing. So this is the spirit level of the word, and we use it, and we say, is my life on a level? I can si- this is telling me that this is, this is wonky. We should get someone to look at that. No, I'm kidding. We- this, is, this tells you, you line up the word against your life, and it says, this is in line. This is not in line. And when I read the word, it speaks to me, and it says, this is on the level. And this is not on the level. This is an attitude in my heart that's right. This is a habit in my life that is wonky. When we read the word, it speaks to us. It levels us out and it shows us what is right and what is true. And that's how the the apostles were, the disciples were in that fellowship. They devoted themselves to laying it against their life and saying, is my life on the level? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. What a word. I don't think it's a word that gets used very much in everyday society. We were trying to say, you know, what would be the equivalent word in everyday life? And we sort of said, togetherness? I'm not really sure what you say. Or it's not friendship. It's not quite community. It's gathering around something that's at the center with a spiritual heart, a spiritual intent, a a, a relationship that's open, transparent, true, where you have fun together, you have experiences together, but you point yourselves in the same direction because you've got a common purpose. That's something of fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. It's part of the process. It was one of their winning lottery balls. 
They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread together and they devoted themselves to prayer. We're super, super practical in this church. As we sit here today, I'm looking at a winning formula for success in our lives. And I'm so happy that we can say we want to help every person take part in these things in the winning formula. If you want to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, great. We are going to have another devotional. This is the fifth or sixth week of devotionals to break down this message, to break down the Bible and say, what does that look like in everyday life? Practically speaking for me, fellowship. If you want to get yourself into fellowship, you can get to a city group and be with people and share with people and have them share with you and you know, um, support you and you can support them. You can be sharing a common purpose together. Friday night, we're going to break bread and we're going to pray together. We're going to do a half night of prayer. Prayer's the engine room that drives the success, that drives the growth. It's the generator. It's the powerhouse of everything that happened in the early church. You know, breaking bread was such a profound one for me. I was reflecting on this. They broke bread together. It was something like 50 or 60 days since the crucifixion when the, when the disciples were meeting together. Probably not even two months since Jesus passed away and was resurrected in Jerusalem. And they were breaking bread in homes. Jesus said to them, do this in remembrance of me. 50 or 60 days later, they were doing it. On the one hand, what does that say about the human heart that even in that short time frame, they might have forgotten? They needed that breaking bread, that time together to remember him. But at the same time, what a privilege to be in the same city, to be around the same temple, maybe even to be in the same homes and houses, breaking bread, where just two months ago, they'd seen the Lord break bread. Just imagine how real the cross must have been for them. Just imagine how close and personal that must have been for them at that time. And I was reflecting on this and I was thinking, God, surely your heart is for the cross to be just so real for your church today. Surely God's heart is that we don't need to be just 50 or 60 days away from the cross for it to be real in our lives. We don't need to be just a short distance in time away. We need the Holy Spirit to come and make that just as real to us now as it ever was for the disciples who saw Jesus in, these, in those moments. And so really for me, there's this thought that, you know, I want to pray for us this morning to, to land on this really is that in this time, in this place, yeah, we do the other three as well, but I feel like there's a special grace and a special call for God to really come and minister to us and make the cross as real in our lives, the resurrection as real in our lives as it would have been for that group of people living in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And if you want that to be your experience, then I want you to stand with me and we're going to pray together. And you know, the message of the cross is so simple. It's so simple. There's success, but there's a process. And the process is just saying that the wrong things in my life, the wrong attitudes in my heart, the wrong things I've done, the wrong attitude I've had towards God, the wrong way I've lived. The process is saying, Jesus, I just want to put all of those on you at the cross. And he takes them. So generous, he takes them from us. And the result is that we're released into a relationship with God. And if you've never done that before, today could be an opportunity for you. 
If you've never said to him, God, I want to step into that process. I want to accept that you took all the wrong things out of my life and you gave me all the right things from your life, then this morning is your opportunity to do that. Don't miss, don't miss that opportunity. And this morning we have an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, will you make the cross just as real to me as it was for those men and women 2,000 years ago? Will you make it just as close and visible to me as it was to those people at that time? And you know, if your heart is to respond to this, then just lift your hand where you are, just as I am, and start to speak it out as well in your own words to say, Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you minister to my life? Will you make the cross just as real in my life as it was to those men and women? Will you make the cross so real in my life that I can dare to believe that all my past, all my mistakes, all my wrong habits, all my wrong attitudes, all my hurts, all my upsets, all my disappointments, God, will you make it so real to me that I can believe that all those wrong things are with Jesus at the cross and they're not with me anymore. Holy Spirit, we look to you to help us in this time. For every heart making a response to the cross.